This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me. So, we made it through the night country and everyone is talking about that finale. That's showrunner Isa Lopez True Detective Night Country, starring Jodie Foster and Kaylee Reese playing two detectives investigating the disappearance of eight men who operate the Salal Arctic Research Station in Ennis, Alaska. And it's been a success. HBO said recently that it's the most-watched season of the entire True Detective anthology series. I got to jump on a Zoom call with breakout star Finn Bennett, who plays Peter Pryor, the young cop whose arc takes an almost biblical turn. If you've not caught up with the finale, you might want to do so before listening to our conversation. We talk about his character Peter's trajectory to Dirty Cop about working with Jodie Foster and the parallels to Clarice Starling, his thoughts on True Detective creator Nick Pizzolatto's comments, and the most interesting and crazy fan theories. You got six dead bodies in the local ice rink. You have protests around the mine. You need to get the shit under control. That video. There aren't any ice caves near where our body was found. Death trap. There were a bunch of accidents up there years ago. The men are out there looking for Clark. Where is he hiding? It takes us one by one. And there's nothing except us. We're all in the night country now. Finn, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on this incredible show. I've been on the edge of my seat every episode. And as one says, you really stuck the landing. Such a success. Have you been able to enjoy the ride? I, I'm, I, I'm like, I'm loving it. I'm so proud of the series. Um, and thank you so much for, you know, kind of being on the edge of your seat. I, I'm really like happy we get to show it to the world. Um, enjoying the ride is like, is, is a difficult one because you are just, you're like on the edge of your seat hoping that people will love it and so far people have been loving it so I'm really happy um I don't want to like enjoy myself too much I'm quite like keen to get like stuck into work again and so on but um it's yeah you know like I wake up in the morning and like somebody might have left me like a nice message or saying say on Instagram or something and um yeah that's just that's that's really lovely like that's you know it's a very warm feeling but I have to say, I have been worried about Peter, almost giving me a heart attack a few times. And the reason for this is because he seems particularly pure in his good intentions as a police officer, as a husband, as a son. But as a seasoned TV film watcher, that type of character. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. You Did you play I, it that way? I think I'm like, I try to ignore what a traditional tv arc would would look like um even though like i love i love watching tv and you're you know like when i read episode read episode one i was like oh yeah he's doomed um but no obviously um he he comes out the other end i i, th- I think i really like that about isa's writing isa comes from horror 
and for her i remember we'd like we would like have kind of chats about like what happens to the character after and obviously because i'm an actor and i love to make it all about myself i would be like you know i think he's depressed i think he drinks i think he becomes more like his father he might become a crooked cop and she was like no you're being melodramatic he's okay he's like scarred and he he finally has some kind of emotional baggage i think pete comes into the series all of them all of the characters have, have real emotional baggage and he's kind of like this labrador who just kind of is like i'm not, i'm on the case i love it in terms of danvers the jodie foster character i mean she pulls him away from his wife kayla she's quite tough on him but it still feels like she's a maternal figure for him why did you figure that there's obviously the absence of a mother in Pete's life. We discussed that Pete's Pete's mother had probably left the family when Pete was young. I, I lost my mother when I was fourteen. She she didn't leave my family, but she passed. And I think, oh no, that's all right. But one always looks to a, a woman to fill that role. Um, I'm I'm really lucky, and I've had many like fantastic older women to kind of fill that role for me and you know going into true detective i i just got a bunch like a bunch more you know <laughs> all these amazing women incredible who I really group <laughs> yeah who i really look up to i mean it's just like incredible seeing all of them depressed and just being like wow i know those people i think pete looks for that because he doesn't have that unfortunately kind of no matter how mean she is it's also slim pickings in mm-hmm. in ennis alaska and he he forms this bond with with Danvers and he'll do anything for her, you know, like like you do to impress your parents. You'll do anything for them. I think that that kind of informs the choice. So Liz Danvers has discovered that Peter's father, Hank, is interfering with the investigation, so to speak. And it ends off in this horrific biblical standoff with Peter, his dad, and this maternal figure. What did you make of Peter's decision-making here mm-hmm. I tried not to kind of make it into too much of a decision. Um, I think I tried to make it more into like a a reflex in a way. He's not killing his father so much as saving Danvers. It's not something that he'll be like, yeah, I made the right choice, even though, you know, I think he made the right choice. But I don't think there'll ever be a day for the rest of his life where he doesn't think about it and what happened in that moment. We rehearsed that scene. Um, and, and it changed a lot kind of with drafts of the script coming out. But the big rehearsal that basically locked everything in place was this one Sunday or Saturday at Issa's apartment in Reykjavik. And we all went around, uh, John, Jody, Kaylee and I, and we, we would work through the scripts and different scenes and stuff. But this one was like a big one where we didn't quite have it locked in. We just went through what the two of them, John and Jody, are appealing to Pete about and Danvers is appealing to something much a very rational kind of like a moral compass that Pete we know that Pete has whereas John is appealing to sorry Hank I should say is appealing to something much more emotional and sentimental um and that's really all the scene is about is who who wins in that uh in that kind of tug of war and obviously Danvers kind of wins but it's again it's 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 not, it's just a split decision. It's a split second decision. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of what I make of it. When I said I was sort of worried about 
Peter during the show. Um, this ended not as I could have imagined, um, which is the power of Issa's writing and your work, because I didn't see it coming. But what happens to Peter is that he essentially becomes a dirty cop. That's exactly it. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what makes like I think what makes his his arc so sad and disappointing because his whole through this whole case, he's he's so like bright and honest. And when he kind of interrogates Danvers in that in that scene in episode five and finds out that his hero is a dirty cop, it's heartbreaking for him. And then kind of a couple of scenes later, he himself becomes a dirty cop and he's now got to cover up these murders. And that cleaning scene in the last one. Yeah, just, yeah. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was yeah. I mean, like, it, I think that's that's the that's the really sad thing about his arc, right? Is that he becomes everything he tried not to be. Fine. You want to do it differently? You make up the questions. You just had to know. I had to keep digging. That's what Hank found in there. I bet he was asking you, what do they know about the mine? <sighs> that bingo is kick isn't a little present. I wasn't digging for Yeah, anything. go. Ask me questions. Question me. I don't want to do that. Ask please. me questions. No, I don't want to. You wanted to know. Ask me the fucking questions. Ask the questions, Pryor. When I was studying film, my thesis was on the Silence of the Lambs, and it's, oh, really? it's yeah, oh, it's cool. been amazing to watch this series because I've been thinking of it sort of as a what should I say a circle or a companion yeah. piece. You know, Clary Starling, you guys are both playing these really driven the young cop in her case, the FBI agent, really trying to prove yourselves. She's sort of coached by Hannibal Lecter with these asking yeah. the right questions but there it is really interesting that you have to go into that dark side um when you're trying to prove yourself what was your cinematic relationship to jody that was a long story to get to that no I no no I, I mean like i'm just it's kind of yeah i just i love that film so much i rewatched it again like really recently um and i love the scenes between them um uh, yeah, I love the scenes between you know with the glass and he kind of creeps out of the he creeps out of the shadow. It's it's so so brilliant. Um, I think cinematic relation to uh, relationship to Jodie. Um, I think just like in in terms of my relationship to Jodie in the first place, you know, I was very very much aware that this was Jodie Foster who I was going to work with, um, and that Jodie Foster had done among Silence of the Lambs some really brilliant work and that's quite intimidating and and it's hard not to feel intimidated when you first meet her and that all falls away so quickly because she's so warm and patient and kind it's, it's, I saw like an interview with her recently where she was like I just wanted to support everybody else's stories in this and that isn't that just like such a wonderful thing for like a lead actor to say by what uh, did you observe of how she works on set just looking at her I think she just really feels things very, very like deeply and lets them like land and stuff. I, I, I like, I don't know if I had the answer, then I would be a twice Academy Award winner. But um, I, well, you're I think, young yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But didn't she win one? She won. She was like thirteen or something. Well, I mean, she was in Taxi Driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. 12, so. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but um, I think just observing her, um, you see that she she takes the work seriously and she also like gives herself space to to 
get into the character. I think everybody's got like a very different process and people like um, has some, you know, some actors have, met, have to like take themselves off and kind of meditate and then they can walk into a scene and do it. I think some, particularly a lot of British actors I've met, they kind of like chit chat with you right up until the last second where somebody calls action. Jodie's, I think is maybe my favorite one where she kind of like takes a beat before you dive into the scene, just to kind of root yourself and ground yourself. And then, and then we dive into it. She has this like incredible dial where she'll never do the same thing twice. And I think that's like such a good, good thing to learn is you, there, there's no, there's no real merit unless the director wants it in doing the same thing twice, mm -hmm. you know, it's give them like things to play with. So I hope I can kind of, I think it takes like a lot of confidence to, to be like, I'm going to do something completely different now. Um, and yeah, but I think that's one of the big things I, I love from her. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You were mentioning it before, but of course with Issa, she's the first woman to helm the True Detective anthology. It's a very female-centric production on set, in the narrative. Did you feel that in any way as an actor? Absolutely. I, I, I loved it. It's, there's no um, a difference, I think. It's, it's, there's no egos. On, there were no egos on that set. Everybody was there to like, make the work and make it fun. It's respectful and yeah, I I just adore I, I just adored it. I would do it again in a heartbeat, you know. And I think that's the thing about watching filming, watching what you film, is that you see it and you're like, I could do that better for you, Easter. I could do that better for you. <laughs> um, and it was such like a supporting network. Inevitably there's the internet discussion from mostly men of complaints about female centric scenes. Did you guys discuss this when it started coming up? You mean like discuss it post post yeah, the thing coming up? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's really worth discussing, to be honest. I think it's it speaks volumes that like the the um the bulk of bad criticism. I think people. It's, I want to make sure that I say that people are entitled to their opinions, but I think a lot of the bad criticism is coming from coming from complaints that there are too many women in it. And that is, that is such a kind of, you can't, that's such like a baseless comment, you know, like it's, it's, yeah, it's, there's not, that's not a criticism. Yeah, that's like, you know, that's not a, that's not a critique. Um, so I think, I don't know, we don't really talk about it that much. I think the spirit, the series speaks for itself. I think obviously, like you look for, despite how however many good reviews you get you still look for the bad ones and the bad ones still hurt you you know when people say say kind of like mean things about you on the internet you take that to heart but we we made a tv series and a lot of people really love it so no we don't i don't think we'll we be proud about. of that and Issa answered beautifully to for example nick pizzolatto's were you disappointed with his comments Again, no. He made a wonderful TV series, and he obviously—I I mean, I'm, 
he hasn't really like I know he's kind of been liking things and, and stuff and that's kind of the the internet discourse on this subject I, you know he hasn't necessarily said how he feels about night country um I stand behind my director in this I think Issa handled that very eloquently and that's what, what did she say that's his that's his prerogative uh, uh yeah I, I agree with that um He's, he's he is entitled to his opinions. He made a wonderful TV series, and a, a lot of people on on the internet who are giving us bad reviews, they haven't made wonderful TV series. So you know, yeah. Um, but I stand behind my director in that. Um, as and you should. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This incredible season has ended. As I started saying, you really stuck the landing. So I thought you would join me, and as a sort of as a viewer, there's so many. <laughs> theories that have circled around this show i mean we have that it was i love, I love it's, this is my favorite part of discourse is, oh, is to see people making like theories about your show um because it, and, like some of them are so wild and yeah. i like it's yeah the supernatural that the salal guys are opening a portal to hell that yeah. Naro did it that a polar bear did it what no, is I the fun, <laughs> funnest yeah. weirdest theory you heard one of the ones that I, I'm not sure about like funnest uh, in in terms of like you know like craziest theory I heard. But I thought a really insightful one that I saw a lot of people posting um, was about Peter having a relationship with Annie Kay and him. Sorry, this sounds like so self-involved. I'm looking for like <laughs> I'm looking for like I'm like as soon as I see my name, I'm like yes, of course I'm dialed in. But no, I I I thought that one was fun and the kind of. Kayla's reasoning for for not wanting him on the case is that she or maybe that she was involved or something um and I, I like those ones I like those ones that are like you know like obviously at six has come out now so we can like talk about what happens but I do like seeing those ones and thank you to like all those people for like posting those they're really fun it's yeah it's it is like I think that's my favorite thing when people don't like critique or um bash your show or, or even compliment it it's my favorite thing seeing like oh, it's connected with people enough to to like you know I've seen some like insane threads about um uh, about like fan theories and stuff which I what really about like. the one that Rose isn't real I haven't seen that one but that's oh, great no, that, it's a good one. <laughs> that's, that is that's really great yeah they because, have all um, these things like that she actually isn't talking to anyone when you're all in the same scene and that everyone goes to her with the bodies yeah yeah that's such a good one I love that one did you see all of us strangers yes Oh, my you know God. and Paul Meskel oh. isn't isn't real uh, yes. well you know sorry he is real but like they're ghosts um I love and that potentially also Andrew Scott is not alive when this is happening wait that's really? another theory is that another theory yeah that he's in purgatory oh dude, that that's, that's a... the building is empty oh really yeah that I, I buy it anyway, anyway but, we're sorry. not talking about that we're, we're talking, talking about, about your that, show yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah in like in a similar in a similar sense like mm -hmm. it's it's quite like it is a supernatural show I really like how brave East has been with like leaning into that um oh, I love that too what about the polar bear though? What's your theory on the polar bear and the, I think that and her son? That that polar bear, I think, is more of a a nice spirit. I don't think it I don't think that polar bear is a bad spirit. I don't think that polar bear was killing out here to kill. Although, you know, the Salam men kind of deserved it. But um <laughs> sorry, no, no, sorry, I shouldn't say that. That's an awful thing to say. Yeah, the polar bear theory, I'm less keen on. Because I, I like it to be somebody. I like it to be somebody. 
but yeah congratulations to whoever came up with the polar bear theory it's fun <laughs> but not quite my temper I, obviously kind of the more spiritual side of things happens to uh navarro's character and the orange peel and the kind of the chain with the cross on it that's that's like all stuff that's that's related to her i like how creeps into her childhood but then also the thing with the polar bear and that connecting to like Jody's kid Danvers's kid and That's how nice. Danvers's kid kind of um comes to Navarro as well I think it creates this real like unsettling fusing of the two the two detectives the two the two lead characters I love like I, I think that's the the essential thing about um true detective is one it's the place it's set in uh and two it's the chemistry between your two lead detectives mm -hmm. that like fusing between the two of them because of this case and because of Annie Kay's case they become kind of one in like the physical and the spiritual kind of side of it, the spiritual world I think that's really exciting What's so incredible and satisfying about it is it combines everything. It's the sort of the political aspects, incredible injustice done to the indigenous people. You have the supernatural elements as well as particularly the women. Tell me a little bit more about your reactions to how this ended. I watched it um, for the first time. I watched episode six um, in the editing suite. Isa and post-production they, they, Isa did post-production in London and um, she's like one of those people you just want to hang out with all the time so I I would kind of like she was like oh you come just stayed there <laughs> yeah yeah I, just, I, I stayed in the editing suite but she was like come watch the episodes and then we watched episode six and it was a Thursday and it was kind of raining outside and um, I remember I just kind of there's that scene between the two detectives when they're when the they've got the fire on and it's and the kind of music swells and they uh, they have that moment where they really bond and they really fall into each other's arms and I love that and and then kind of how it's a weird one isn't it you don't you don't want to like cheer on murder you're cheering the we kind of knew them as like the justice ladies um mm -hmm. the you know the the group of women that march into Salal we knew them as the justice ladies but how much you're cheering for them is is weird right and how like proud, how proud you are of like them avenging their friend. And and I think it ties it up politically beautifully. I don't want to speak too much about that because I don't think I'm the best person to kind of talk about these issues. But I, I just kind of, I kind of started crying and I couldn't stop. Um, and then they all had to go, you know, all the post team had to go uh, and they had to do some ADR or something in a different studio. And I took myself into a pub across the road and like I got myself a pint and I just kind of sat in front of it, staring out the window, just feeling kind of so drained. You know, like it's such like a kind of emotional build up and it's so, so cathartic. I, and I wasn't growing just because I was like so proud of what we had achieved. I think I was just so like happy for the story and happy for the characters that they ended up where they needed to be. Um, feels like a a cathartic sad ending but that had to be sort of that it's like a weird necessary evil yeah. isn't it yeah it's it's interesting what do you make of navarro that absolute last scene when Denver's when when she's kind of and she's in the balcony she sort of comes out to the lovely lovely i think but is I she think... there is she <laughs> what do you I... make i mean is she hiding out or is she 
Do you think she's she might be maybe a little spirit or something? I don't know. Um, <laughs> what do you I, think? I don't. I don't know. I hope she's. I hope she's there. Um, because I. I like have this kind of like. Is it fan an all of a strangers ending? Is I have like this fan fiction kind of like ending where the two of them, the two of them, like go out there and they like chill on the porch and have beers and stuff. But I hope she's there. She might be a ghost. If she is a ghost, then she's a ghost at rest. I think, and that's important. I. I th- and I think this that thing with like Peter is that he's like. Something like horrible has happened, but everything's been. He's come. He's come over the hill, and um, yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to to end it. I wanted to ask you about. I'm not sure since they're in Alaska, but I know that the production worked closely with an indigenous advisory board. The tell me if I'm wrong. Inak. Inupiaq? Uh, Inupiaq. Inupiaq advisory yeah. council. What did they contribute, and most? Um, notably, what did you sort of learn about the culture? I think that there has to be kind of like a re... You have to kind of retrain yourself to to think more sensitively about these issues. I know there were kind of like story changes, how to like handle things more sensitively. I think particularly with like Annie Kay's murder. It's not shot in a way that you see like acts of violence inflicted on Annie. It's on the killers the whole time. Um, and I think that's really well done. I, in particular... There's a bunch of white people in the cast. I, in particular, had to really learn an awful lot. And I say this kind of, you know, with like a, a great deal of shame, but because I'm, I'm from London and I re- haven't, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think I've ever encountered any indigenous, any indigenous communities or peoples when I've, when I've, you know, from America or Canada. And it was a big learning process about like talking to, um, Kaylee and Izzy and JD and Anna and and our indigenous produ- producers Princess and Tagmak and just listening to the issues that affect their communities and stuff and when we would like all go for drinks or dinner I would just have a great deal of pleasure from just sitting there and listening listening to them talk. What was very beautiful I thought was grief that there is something out there you can you can feel it the way you personally want to feel it, if it's still there or if it's not. And all those conversations that several characters have about that and are going through, did it give you any new thoughts? You were mentioning your mom, for example, any perspective? Since, since I filmed the series, I, have, I haven't managed to visit Alaska and I do hope to go one day, but I visited the Canadian Arctic. And I think when you're out there, the, when you're out there in the tundra on the land you get a sense of why these places are so interlinked with mythology but also kind of ghosts and spirits and not necessarily like hauntings but you know and I I think uh, whereas before when I started filming the series I'm much more I was much more on the the kind of Liz Danvers um, side of this discussion, whereas I, I don't believe I'm not a believer, I'm a rational human being. But I think once you've been out there and you kind of see this vast landscape, you really start to get a sense of that it's very possible that there's something else out there. And I think that's a comforting feeling. And I like being slightly more open to it now. I don't, I know I'm not trying to like contact ghosts or anything, <laughs> but I I like it's comforting to know that um, loved ones you've lost might still be present in your life in some way. What's next for you, Finn? I'm shooting a little series at the minute uh, out of London 
called is it a secret or <laughs> uh no it's not a secret i'm i think i'm allowed to um it's a it's like an espionage thriller for netflix written by joe barn who wrote giri haji which is one of my oh, wow. all-time favorite series and it's an espionage thriller starring ben Whishaw and kira knightley and um group. yeah it's this is this is like the i think this is what i want for myself in my career it's i don't necessarily want to like lead something i want to just be in good things with good people and like i don't have a massive part in this but i have a substantial part and the best thing is i get to work with those two and i get to learn from them i learned so much from jody foster and john hawks and kelly reese and now i get to go learn from other people you get to see how they do things that's what i'm doing at the minute and i'm doing that for a couple more months Finally, are you happy that SpongeBob toothbrush came back? Yeah, very happy. I love, like, you know, JD was one of the people I would hang out with quite a lot. I would go and play poker at his house um, with almonds as chips. And uh, he he just, like, it's, it's, it's sad. We actually had a scene together that was written in an earlier draft of the script, but was dropped. Um, and I just love that, like, now the series is out, I get to watch his work because it's so funny. And, I, and I'm very happy that the SpongeBob toothbrush has made its way back to its rightful owner. And I think justice for Kavik, you know, that's very important. Yeah. Ben, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Christina. This has been really wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Finn Bennett. All six episodes of True Detective Night Country are out now on HBO. And thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.